0: Good evening, good evening, good evening. Houston, Texas and the world abroad. Another beautiful day in the city. Another beautiful day in life. God has us all on his grace and mercy list. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to KPFT Radio. That is KPFT Radio on your FM radio dial. That is KPFT radio on your 9.1 FM radio dial. And again, for those of you who tune in this time over Saturdays for more than two years and counting, we thank you for listening. We thank you for being there. And you know how we do it here. Another great program in anticipation of the evangelist, well-renowned evangelist, Tanya Dean.
1: Well, hello, everyone. I'd just like to welcome uh, my audience to the show and just thank everyone for being here uh, this evening. Uh, I just want to give God glory for waking all of us up this morning because without him, nothing is possible. But with him, all things are possible. Um just can't wait to introduce my guest that's for sure. I mean I've been I've been waiting for this interview that's for sure. And on my show on today uh a gentleman by the name of Reginald Gordon. So therefore what I'm going to do I'm I'm going to uh just read out a, a brief bio of him. He's a very interesting gentleman. He's He's taking the reins on uh, our children. And that's what's most important to us right now because they are our future. It starts off, uh, Reginald Gordon studied a business major at Lee Community College as a successful business entrepreneur. He developed a nonprofit organization known as OG1, Operation Outreach Original Group 1. OG1 uses education, educational methods as opposed to scare tactics to empower at-risk youth by allowing fear to make decisions for these minors. The program subsequently enabling a child to escape the pitfalls of adolescence. As designed, OG1 what is that? Colcates a sense of social and academic responsibility while building self-esteem, teaching self-control, discipline, emotional stability, and mastering caping skills in a positive and constructive manner. OG1 also provides community services in the areas of coping skills, such as employment, and treatment referrals, parents, uh, teens workshops, anger management, substance abuse, truancy, refusal skills, and re-entry of offenders, gang prevention and intervention workshops. OG1 focuses on development of critical thinking and achievement skills. Mr. Gordon has made many viable contributions to our involving city. His instance has served for dual purpose in the betterment of our communities. By creating a benefit, value is added to the people. He is is a specialist professional in the developmental rehabilitation and providing a necessary service, which means the unmet needs of unresolved grief of our youth, parents and adults, inmates, offenders, and our adolescent. Throughout the basic schools, neighborhoods, juvenile justice and correctional facilities, the civil and communal courts, hospitals, rehabilitation centers, and shelters. Mr. Gordon rebuilds lives from the inside out, providing life experiences, expertise and a listening ear, and dedicated dedicating the to find these resolutions. Mr. Gordon functions as a certified anger management counselor. He has been a faithful servant with the National Black United Front and created a dynamic program that interjects cognitive intervention at the Keegan State Jail. And for the first time for offenders, the program for the past five years, finally, he is a great and outstanding motivational speaker throughout the community. He is the voice for those who are never heard. Now, I just wanna give him a, a great big applause Because for him to do all of this, I mean, I know that he's not going on his own strength. I know that it's by the grace of God that he's doing what he's doing. So, so Mr. Gordon, I'm just going to give you the, (laughs) give you the staff, sir, and let you run with it. Tell us, say whatever you want to say. I'm just going to give the show over to you. I wish that, um. We had a, a a line that we could have individuals to call in on, but we're going to, I'd like for you to leave your phone number with them uh, be, at the beginning, before you even start. And at the ending, because I know that there, there are parents that are out there that they have questions. They want to hear from you. They want to hear, you know, although we, we don't have a manual as parents, you know, children don't come with a manual, but God has given you a manual. So therefore we, they'd like to hear from you. Reginald, take the floor, sir.
2: Wow, wow. You know, I was sitting there listening to you. Thank you. First of all, thank you, sister, for having me on the show. You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm honored. I'm, 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 I'm grateful, you know what I'm saying? And that's one thing I've always wanted to be grateful to, God giving me the platform to be able to use my voice from uh, to make sure that I can and reach and at least reach some of the young people especially in my black and brown community that you know that i am can be an example that they don't have to go through the experience that i went through i could be a living example that they can see here and touch and don't have to go through the burning fires that i went through to get to the point to where i'm at today to put that kind of resume together, to 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 be able to give back to my community, to show the people that gave me hope, the people that let me ride on their shoulders, to give them the hope to see that young people can come out and be redeemed out of the lifestyle that they come from. You know what I'm saying? so I'm always gonna say redemption is a must for all brothers that's coming through the lifestyle that I did. You can't survive, and you can't survive. But what I want to say, and starting with dealing with the generation that we thought that we would. Our community called the lost generation, or the generation that I may say that a generation that we see but we really don't see because they 're considered one that we don 't really have interest in it 's called our black boys you know mm-hmm. i 've been involved. let me start back in how I got in contact and doing what I was doing. At the age of 16, I come from a very dysfunctional background, you know what am saying, and, but I had a loving, powerful mother that did everything in her power to do with young men that a lot of mothers do, saving their black boys in these urban inner cities, such as the neighborhoods that you call uh, 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 survival zones. So my mother did everything she could do with her sons in the survival zones of the inner city. Well, I was able to get to the point to where... Uh, What most young black men is not affiliated to be connected with that I never knew until I was in prison to diagnose that I had a disease called dyslexia. So before I go down in the middle schools in elementary school to middle school, I was passed on because what I was considered a person with good grades in school. So I had good I had good attendance at school, which my grades wasn't that great. Until I got to, my grades was great till I got to the third grade because I loved school by the third grade. Everything was I was happy to go there. But when I got to the third grade and I figured out that I had problems reading and I had problems understanding a, 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 a spelling. I turned my inward ashamedness inside and I took it in other ways to where I started rejecting. You know, education at a young age because I didn't have people in my life to really direct me to tell me what was wrong with me when I figured out later on that I was suffering from dyslexia. So from that point on and a lot of other things that went on in my life as a young person, seeing my father being abusive to my mother, that caused a lot of stress. A lot of trauma in my life and that inner anger and that inner rage turned in later on in my life turned into me quitting school turned into me dealing with alcohol turning with me dealing with drug abuse so a lot of things in my early part of my life played a major role in the things I got involved in in, the, in, in my latter part of my years because I come from a family that didn't have strong men in the family that was able to detour me when they seen me going the wrong way was able to check me when they seen me doing the wrong thing I didn't have these type of men in my life growing up so I was able to know that what most young men do I did the same thing I was finding love on the street that I wasn't getting at home Mm. from male figures that put things in my hand to make me feel like I was empowered to do things that was totally against what my mother was teaching me so eventually that lifestyle led up to me by the age of 16 I dropped out of school by the age of 16 I caught four robbery cases and catching that four robbery cases being involved in gang lifestyle my life took a major turn, and I was the youngest person in Harris County back in the early late 70s to receive 450-year sentences for four robberies that we received $248 after robbery. I was sentenced to four fifty-year sentences in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And that really paid a major pounding and devastation on my life because even at that young age of 16, in the world of doing crime, you talk about uh, the world you live in but you never talk about the consequences of your actions if you ever got caught so I was at a young age 16 my mother spent the little pennies and dimes that she scattered up from the family to try to give me a decent lawyer and the lawyer that I had you know even though it wasn't enough money he took my mother's money and made my mama some false promises that, that I would get probation and eventually I went to court and the judge gave me 450 year sentences I was sentenced to prison uh, and I went off to prison at a young age, 16, and I was devastated. Life was, I mean, was totally hopeless. I mean, I just never knew I was getting out of prison again. And I went down to this institution, afraid, scared like most young people do. Uh, and I was able to get there around other people with the same mindset that I had from the street. And I was able, my first four years got caught up even in prison got caught up in the lifestyle and the of life because I was always, as most young people in our neighborhood, doing what most young black men are doing we're finding something to attach to, to identify with, because again, from public school to housing, we have never found real strong historical instruments that we could latch on to to find good leadership in the black community. I never found a black male in my life that I could look up to at that early age to where I could say, that's the person I wanted to be like. So in prison, I latched on again to the things that I knew from the streets, prison lifestyle. I took that lifestyle my first four years in prison because I was not able to adapt to that lifestyle. I was able to, I, I was in prison. I was in prison. I was in prison in life uh, uh, and doing the same thing that I was doing on the street. Eventually, I got busted in prison and even behind the walls, by me living the life, giving up hope, I was sentenced in prison again to solitary confinement because I attempted uh, an, an, an act on, on a fellow in now because I was disrespected, because one thing about prison that could disrespect people in prison, you either had to make a stand in or you become somebody's woman or girl in prison if you didn't make a stand. So you made, this, made wow. a stand in prison, I did some things that almost you know, killed a person in prison and eventually I was sent to, to solitary confinement in prison in my first four years in prison I was in solitary confinement, which I stayed I spent twenty three hours out of twenty four hours a day for four years, my first four years in prison, thinking that nobody else to deal with but myself. I would let out one hour a day to do exercise, work out, get myself together. But I had that one powerful person that most men in prison always have. Either you have a grandmother in your corner, or you have a powerful mother in your corner that's gonna always stick with you to write you, to send you money to feed that hope back into you my mother never gave up on me my mother kept hope alive within me she kept sending me money she kept seeing me and I kept telling myself like most men tell themselves if I ever have the opportunity to change my life I'm gonna figure this thing out and change it even in prison so after four years in my first in prison, I was able to be blessed during a Christmas day. And the, the warden came and let us all out. He shipped me from that unit to another unit. I got to that other unit, got into some mess then. Then they gave me a blessing because I got stabbed on my second unit until I was almost killed. I stayed Ooh. in John Seely Hospital. I stayed in John Seely Hospital for like six months from infection from the stab wounds. And I was blessed for my mother again, writing letters, reaching out begging me to change my lifestyle, I was able to be blessed to be sent to this one unit in Sugar Land, Texas, called the Centering Unit. It was a minimum security unit. It was, a, I was living in dormitories. It was almost like a complete change, even from the prison system. It's by being in prison, you know, I was dorm with everybody, and the board told me uh, that he going to give me the opportunity to stay here, but the only way I could stay there, I had to get in school and change my life. When I was able to get in school, at three o'clock in the morning, I was able to stay there for like eight to ten months in school and receive a GED. So it let was me my life
1: so, Reginald, Let me ask you this: Was that program in Sugarland? It was a structured program, right?
2: Well, yeah, it was. It was Sugarland was one of the first one. Uh, it was one of the first programs that they set up to where it was a minimum security was uh-huh. like a re-entry program. Right. It was like a structured uh, a program to uh-huh. where you had different uh, trades there. Uh-huh. So so I was blessed to be able to be sent over there during that time. So, you know, once I was there, you know, I was able to get with, get with myself, get with some people, and it was some strong brothers that was on the unit that reached out to me that, You know, some Muslim brothers that reached out to me and told me it's a better way to live. You can make it here, brother. And they gave me the encouragement to really fight for my personal life while I was in prison. You know, it was a struggle because, again... Mm -hmm. Even in prison I just found out after going through the problem that I had a mental illness called dyslexia. Mm -hmm. That's something that they find out that eighty percent of the young brothers that's in there that have a reading disorder suffer from some form of mental dysfunction. Right. And that's and because because black men are not allowed to deal with our mental Mm -hmm. illness because in the world we live in to be macho, to be Mm -hmm. hard, to be, uh, uh, you know, don't show your feelings. You don't cry.
1: They tell you don't cry. Men don't Don't cry. cry.
2: Don't cry. Men don't cry. To come out of the (laughs) world and to hold on, especially while being in prison, you know, one, that is one of the places you show don't show your feelings. Mm -hmm. You got to shut all that down. So to be in cell, to be connected, get connected back to those vital things in your life. If you're going to survive, I was able to get with people that was allowing me to express myself, to to get back and to work with me and educate me. I was able to grab books while I was over there. My mother was sending me books from bookstores, so I was gradually reading over and over again until I became good at reading. And then all of a sudden, after that message, I started catching on to life. But even that, I found myself taking a fall again, went back to prison, went back to solitary confinement. Uh, So the shame and embarrassment came on, but I had a sense of self-esteem building up in me while I was there. So while I was in prison and in solitary the second time, I came up with this idea by being 16 in prison. I came up with an idea of a program on how to detour young black men and brown men from coming Mm -hmm. to this institution. I put together a program on paper. I took it to the chaplain, and the chaplain looked at me, and he liked it. Amen. Then I had to take it to the ward. I took, I took the program to the ward. The ward looked at me. He laughed. He said, "We not gonna bring young people in here so y'all can uh, run over them, rape them, <laughs> treat them bad." I said, "Well, I just stopped there. I kept going." The program was called "Scared Straight."
1: Hallelujah.
2: And that program, after the war, the chaplain gave me the opportunity to start bringing in small groups of kids to the chaplain office. We talked to them, give them my presentation, give them my life story while they Mm were in prison. That program took off because HBO came in and HBO videoed me working with young people. And they seen how effective the program was dealing with kids coming out of small surrounding counties, not as big as Houston, but the small counties the recidivism rate of the young people was, I mean, was uh, they were saving millions of dollars on kids mm-hmm. not being recidivism back and forth to their juveniles. So they found a, a gold mine in bringing young people to the prison with the Scared Straight program. Well, yeah. I did that program for like 15 years. Uh, I was able to get it in other counties, other prisons. It went all over the world. It became a famous program, but it also kept me in line with educate mm-hmm. myself because I seen how it was changing young people lives as well as my own life.
1: Right. I remember it. I remember it uh, yeah. watching it on television here in Houston years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Hey, I just want to commend you. I just want to push you up for what you have done, you know, and the, the thing about it, it just goes to show you how small this world is. Uh, you and I had a conversation uh, about schools that we've attended. We attended the same high school. Wow. wow. And, and to look at, I mean, you know, it, it's like, uh, you know, when we watch people on, on television and, you know, they're, they're at hand's reach. A lot of times we think they're far, far away, but no, they're at hand's reach. And a lot of times they're in our backyard, you know, they're our next door neighbor, and right. I just I just want to uh, commend you, Reginald. Well, I,
2: well, I appreciate that. So, so, you know, I don't want to go into keeping to that program. Mm-hmm. I, I loved the program. It's done great. But even it, even after creating that program, scared straight, I understood as the creator of that program, I know dealing with the generation of young people that we mm-hmm. have, fear tactics are temporary. Education lasts a lifetime. So, I know that I had to put some educational parts to the mm-hmm. program to where it could stick to their bones, to where it, 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 it resonated in their head, to where. I have to put some goals in place to where I have to seek goals that I pursue. So, therefore, I knew that dealing with our young black men that's coming out of such traumatizing environments, because when you are living up under trauma, you're gonna constantly do what it takes in the the, the fight flight of survival mm-hmm. of your body, regardless exactly. of where you're at. Right. You know what I'm saying so. So, what my mission was to make sure I put skills mm-hmm. and techniques in young men's minds to teach them how to survive in a world that's so against them amen so 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 my goal was once i was released that i've always done what most inmates do when they get to prison 90 percent of them do this when they get to prison ask god god if you just give me one amen. more
1: chance to get <laughs> yes. out there
2: i'm gonna make sure i give you what you give me the blessing of getting back out to my freedom Hallelujah. when i was able I was able, I did 20 years in prison. I was able to get out of that institution. I was able to not come back and do my dream job of being a motivational speaker. Mm. I was able, I was sent to Temple, Texas, because I didn't want to put the pressure on my mother coming out of prison. I went and made sure that I put myself on a solid ground. First. I, I paroled away from the area where I come from. I paroled to Temple, Texas.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I got a job as a porter washing cars. Uh-huh. I started washing cars i was washing the cars so well and uh the car salesman was really impressed with the work that i was doing but i was always a young man on a higher mission and pursuing bigger things i stayed at the car washer for about a year and a half and i've seen the salesman making thousands of dollars selling cars so as i watched them and learned from them selling cars I learned the skill of selling cars mm-hmm. so when the day came about to where the manager needed some more car sales because some of them had moved on to other jobs I come in one morning not to wash the car I come in with a <laughs> suit and tie on to start selling cars Amen. Amen. so when, when the manager looked at me and said where are you going <laughs> I said I'm here to apply for the job in selling cars because I think that my time at so he gave me an opportunity because he seen my mm-hmm. motivation of wanting that job. So he gave me an opportunity and a chance. That was mm-hmm. the, for my first year. I done well. My second year, I became car salesman of the year. Wow! So I've always, I became. I've always had within me the mission to be first and second, mm-hmm. and make and first in whatever I get involved with. Amen. Because I'm all. I am one of my greatest critics is myself. Mm-hmm. In the world that I know I live in on a daily basis, That's always going to judge me first by being a black person and being a man second. So I've always known that I have to live above other people's Mm -hmm. expectations for me to be impressive to myself Mm -hmm. first. So I sold cars for like seven years in Temple, Texas. done great Volkswagen, Suzuki. I was car salesman of the year several times. I mean, but that wasn't my passion. My mm-hmm. passion was to always give back to young men. Yeah. And so I I, re, I I rerouted myself back to Houston. I established myself here in Houston. I put myself together. I got involved with most people who need to get involved. I set myself here in Houston, and the first thing I did was to get affiliated with a strong organization. That fed to my belief system in that organization. That organization was the Black United Freight Front and Shape Community Center. I, Amen. I, plant, I planted my feet up under the leadership, up under the leadership of some strong black leaders in the community that nurtured me, helped me, was able to feed my mindset mm-hmm. on what I needed to keep transforming to. And I have... Been able to put together, while I'm here, a program called Operation Outreach, OG1. And what Operation Outreach does, I went set up a program with all the different probation departments. The way I talk, I'm a gang intervention officer. I got a certificate <laughs> as being a gang intervention officer. I am a subject matter expert when it comes to dealing with that kind of lifestyle. Hey, Amen. So that- So, therefore, when you're a subject matter expert, giving it our young people that's caught up in that lifestyle, you can give them the clues on how you can get yourself out of that lifestyle and still be successful. Amen. So, I was able to work with all the Harris County gang members. I set up a program in the Keegan State Jail Uh to where I was going. I would go in every Wednesday for the last 12 years. I was teaching these brothers Uh uh, from a house of... Anywhere from twenty-five to thirty brothers, I was teaching them thinking skills. Yes, I, I would think somewhere in my life, my thinking became bad. Yes, so I had to I had to relook at my own personal lifestyle uh-huh. and say I have to recorrect my thinking.
1: <laughs> Jesus. That, so, so,
2: def- so, so, I I th- brothers, to really look at yourself and question yourself on yes. your thinking behaviors. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Do, do I know how to manage my money? Do I know how to be in a relationship? Do yes. I know how to be a father to my children? My Is my thinking Yes, you Yes. You're saying? So when I'm going to concentrate on myself uh-huh. constantly, because, again, I always say I have always been my worst critic. Mm-hmm. So when I look in the mirror and I tell young men, always challenge yourself in the mm-hmm. mirror. If you brush your teeth every morning, ask
1: yourself some <laughs> questions. Amen. Amen. <laughs> You know, you know, regular. Let, let me say this: uh, I thrive according to Romans eight and twenty-eight. Yes, ma'am. And it says, "And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to your purpose." Right, see, see, right. we know that this is your purpose. Yes. We know that this is your calling. <laughs> we, we know that you, you're in the place where God wants you to be, brother. I just, I just want to lift you up.
2: Well, you know, you know, sister, I so appreciate that because you know, I, I, I and, and do believe I understand the power that God has given me through mm-hmm. through through my lack of through my experience in the in the journey that I've been through because it's been too many times. I've spoke to thousands and thousands of young people. I've mm-hmm. been in many schools. I've been in many jails speaking to young people. I've been on college campuses. Mm-hmm. I've been in treatment facilities, but I know. In each one of the presentations that I give, God works through me to bring a new Amen. message to the young people the time, and dealing with the time Jesus. that we in.
1: So yes. that's why young
2: people, young people attracts to me through uh. the word that God puts through me through the time that we in. Because, again, I tell people all the time, you know, I was attracted to Malcolm X, not because of what Malcolm X believed in. I was attracted to Malcolm X because Malcolm X spitted the truth
1: Amen. every time he
2: come out. And, and you can keep young people have been gifted by God to identify with those that's giving them the knowledge to survive.
1: Amen. Amen. That, that, you know what, that's the main objective. See when it, it, we're like links in a chain, you know, I can remember coming up and I remember those that took me under their wing and My. in turn, that's what I do as well. You know, right. e, you know, and, and I love this, this phrase that you have, uh, teach one, reach one. Yes, ma'am. Reach one, teach reach one, teach one, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's, that's what life is all about. That's yeah. collaborating, coming together, uniting okay. with someone to, exactly. to, to share information. That's yes. the main objective yeah. being a, a, a benefit into someone else's life. Right, that's right. that's all about calling, basically. But a lot of us lean to our own understanding. We don't we don't want to share. You you know we walk around each other. We jump over each other. We go you know it's all about me 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 and my my my. But we we're not supposed. God didn't make us that way. He, he made us He made us to where we could we we're supposed to when we cross other individuals' paths be a benefit to deposit something positive into other individuals' lives. That's what we're supposed to do. And again, I want to commend you, brother, for what you're doing, because, you know, a a, a lot of those individuals that you have mentored, I've crossed the path of them right? and I see a difference in their lives. Some of those same individuals that you've mentored, I've counseled. Right. So so we know some of those same individuals and being a benefit into their lives. Each individual has something to deposit. Planting seeds into other individuals' lives, that's the commi- That's the main objective.
2: Right, right. you you you're so right. You're, saying you're like me. You're saying I've met some of the young men that I've ran into that mm-hmm. I've worked with and mentor, you know what I'm saying, you know, and that's what keeps me going, because again, I'm going to say this, and I'm, I'm not I'm not ashamed to say it, I'm not embarrassed to say it. you know, by me being a voice for the voiceless, mm-hmm. one thing i found through the years of doing this kind of work, working with young men, even the gifts and the talent that God have given me to connect with young men, you know, I, it's hard for me to find people that's in position of mm-hmm. power to back and support me, other than that, right. if they want, if they, they they wanna get behind you but they wanna change your voice. They wanna change your direction. Come I on. say if I can change <laughs> if, if I am my own example that I look up to yes. that, that been out of, you know, I've been out of prison twenty five years. Uh-huh. So I know something to do right out here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm a I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a leader here as a coordinator at Unlimited Vision Aftercare. I run a team of, of young men and young ladies over here. I mm-hmm. have a staff that, I have seven staff that work for me. Something that God has put in me Amen.
1: to lead people in the right direction. Amen.
2: Why is it, why is it that you don't invest? those that's really changing lives?
1: Jesus.
2: So, so. so so I understand that mission, you know what I'm saying? Because again, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, even the people that follow Jesus, turned on him. So come on. you know what I'm saying? So I know the people that's believe believing you would turn on you when yes. you're giving out the truth of changing lives. Yeah. So uh but you know, one thing I found out in the last couple of years, sister, by doing the work that I doing mm-hmm. I'm doing out here in the jails and the juvenile, you know, I found out and say that you know we come through a major time period in the black community it was called that crack cocaine area yes <laughs> that really devastated our community that uh-huh. filled up the jails that devastated families after coming you know we come out we came into the crack cocaine area during the time that we came we can't forget of the 70s mm-hmm. where our mothers was forced to live in these public houses without a man in the house right you stayed in the public <laughs> house you couldn't have a man now so so this devastation of the public housing and, and then this other devastation of killing the man with this crack cocaine thing hmm, to where Jesus. the man was taken out the community and put in prison. See our families have went through a a, a yes. real big
1: devastation in the last fifty years. Uh-huh. You absolutely so here right. we are
2: here we are. Here we are now going to the 2000s and where we know that the biggest movement in America, where racism has finally been brought to the tip of the curve to where it become a household name, that racism is a part of everything that we're being Mm. involved with, whether it's school, whether it's church, whether it's education, Mm -hmm. racism plays a major role in how we are affected in this old world. Yes. Well, here we are again. I had to make a change. I'm always a young man, and I always know when the time comes to make a change, to adapt to the population of young people that I need to talk to, opioid came on the scene where young people was OD and OPOs. Well, again, I had to educate myself to get in there, to mm-hmm. get the conversation going with young people on how to not get caught up in the opioid movement. I trained. I'm a certified counselor when it comes to being a recovery coach in this day and time. So I run a recovery coach center over here on the east side of town called Unlimited Visions Aftercare. The lady that I work for is a powerful sister that opened this treatment center Amen. where I can treat young people with mm-hmm. teaching them from trauma-informed care on how to be safe, how to live safe, how to come in a safe space, how to get their minds on track. I say, after learning this recovery coach, going through these trainings, mm-hmm. I found out one of the things that we have to come in contact and we have to come to grip with in the black community. It was a study done by a young man out of Chicago that was a psychologist. He said that black children are born traumatized. Yes. So if we are born traumatized, we have to get through layers and layers yes. of problems. If we going to get to the wrong Issues on changing our children's directions.
1: Amen. You, you're, so you're absolutely so, so, right.
2: So we have to get to the root cause of mm-hmm. why our children are acting out and quit just pointing the finger at our children mm-hmm. while their pants are sagging. Why their have yes. are wild and looking crazy. Uh-huh. Why they put tattoos all over their Jesus. face. Our children are sending a message to the elderly. I'm yes. in pain. I'm hurting. Come
1: on. Jesus.
2: Can't you see the pain on my face and my mm-hmm. hair and my clothing I wear? Mm-hmm. And we're afraid to address the pain because we are, as duck in pain that we're afraid to deal with our own personal problems. Amen. So we're, we're sucked off into the sex pool of, 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 of confusion, trying to find our own personal way, raising children in the same sex
1: pool. Mm, Jesus. You're you are absolutely right about what you're saying, Reginald. Uh, I truly do believe once we start coming together and uniting, we have to learn that before we do anything, we have to recondition. We've been conditioned. We have to recondition the mind. That, that's because that's the battleground. You know, all, all that we perceive we're, as, as human beings, we're like tape recorders. We perceive a whole lot in this world. And then uh, the only thing we can project is what we perceive, what we take in. That's what we're going to project. Things that, that we hear, we're going to say. We're gonna, things that we see, we're going to do. So changing that, changing the, the, the mindset, you know, and I've, I've heard kids say, well, why should I? You should do that because you have a calling on your life. And if, you are, if you are doing anything that God has not called you to do, then you're out of line. And see that's that our structure number one, we have to have the foundation of God in our yep. lives without that that foundation we're, we're apt to you know ha- make mishaps're we're, we're apt to make mis- make a lot of mistakes. I know because when I was out there in that world, understand what I'm saying I made a cognitive yep. choice to come in and do positive things to get saved to live and set free right. but but before right. then. I was out there in the world. I was making mistakes. You know, I, 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 I gained a testimony, you know, right. but uh, I'll say this also experience. A lot of times is the best teacher because I look at you and all that you've gone through. You know, I know that, that, I, and, and I can speak for you on this. You wouldn't change a thing because if you, if you did, you wouldn't be the man of God that you are right now.
2: Exactly. you're Right. You so, know, you, you know, know you show, sure right. Yeah. Just, you know, so you know, God has shown me blessing after blessing, sending mm-hmm. it. And, I, and I, you know, you know, I, you know. Sometimes you know, I, even in the struggle that I deal with now, that's why I don't. You know, it don't. I'm, I'm happy. I'm. You know, I'm. i I know that the work that I do that. It's been time that I find myself and I said, well, God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one. You know am saying? When it comes to mm, even paying bills Jesus. and all of a sudden, you know, God, bro, uh, you know, uh-huh. I've been doing that. Something come my way to where that bill that I need to pay. Or just will just yes. make it go away or something. You'll put uh-huh. in, something in my way to where something happened to where I can able to pay that bill. and I didn't know in the beginning how I was going to get it. down. Don't worry about that. I got your back. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So so it's been many times in the years, you know, almost going on, forty years I've been doing this here that I've Mm -hmm. been shown the blessings of doing the work. And you know, and and you know, one of my greatest blessings that I always say when I get young people to come to me and say, Man, you said it to me like nobody have ever Mm -hmm. said it to me before. And you got me to think it. So therefore when uh-huh. when when young when young people tell people, wise people, I'm in I'm in a role of wisdom now. You got mm-hmm. young soldiers and you got people that's supposed to be in the role of wise men and wisdom men uh-huh. to lead the to lead the young soldiers to war. We got to keep teach quit teaching our sons that God is a weak God. Ooh, God Jesus. is a weak God. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I teach the young people that my God that I believe in is a strong God. And like you said, he coming back. When he comes back, he gonna come back with with, with blood yes. to the of, with the top of his sword. You <laughs> yeah.
1: know? He coming back to beg you no know, more. Come on. And and he's yeah. on his way back. He, he's definitely on he's definitely on his way back. And you know, I wanna be ready. Yes. Yeah, I wanna be ready, you know, uh, to see my Lord. You know, I exactly. I don't I don't want him to say, Flee from me, I never knew you. I want him to say, Come on in. Right, right,
2: exactly. You know, so
1: I wanna so, be you know, in line.
2: But you know, like I said, you know, right now, you know, my life right now where uh-huh. I'm at, you're saying I know that we're in a very serious time because again yes. after this this pandemic going mm-hmm. really in my mind, the pandemic gonna really take the community that I serve mm-hmm. and I it's gonna take us in a it's no such thing as a normal will ever come back come again. On. And, and we and we as men and women got to be on the front line to lead the yes. young child, to lead this next generation to a generation of out of all this trauma out of all this 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 lying you know what i'm saying you mm-hmm. know it's, it's sad that lies have become the forefront of these mm-hmm. kids now, you know it's so therefore we got to give them the Two, we got to give them the skills of survival and coming to this next generation because we can't keep living going along, getting along attitude and expect our children to respect us.
1: Amen. You know, so, it's, so it so, is really it's, it's all about you know not just saying something to a child, not just telling a child something, but because they're looking at our actions, they're looking exactly. at what we're doing. You know, my dad I always say, "Babe, don't listen to what they're saying; watch what they're doing."
2: Exactly, and that's what been my motive all uh-huh. the time. You know, I've been I've been consistent in this work since mm-hmm. nineteen seventy eight. If you see me, most ninety percent of the time, when you see me, I'm in my uniform, always ready to teach, mm-hmm. and so forth. Therefore, when young people see me, if they're not saying, "Oh, here he coming,"
1: I know they know what's going <laughs> to come out of my mouth. Exactly. The words say, "Be be ready in season <laughs> and out of season." Exactly. So <laughs> we're at a
2: time. We're at a time. You know, I got. Uh-huh. I got. I got time for personal care that I take for myself, uh-huh. but as a, as a wise person in the time we in, God give you a certain gift that's to be used, and I can't use it unless I give it away.
1: Amen. Amen. That's it.
2: That's it. So therefore, you know, I know what my role is. I know uh-huh. where my blessings are coming from, but we have to, and when I say it to myself, Every person that I come in contact, my job is to make sure that I get them prepared for the job that I'm doing. I want to I want to reproduce myself to make sure that when I leave this world, I never leave because my message
1: will always carry on. Hallelujah. That's it. You're leaving your mark on the world. (laughs) That's the thing. That's and it. If we not,
2: and if we're not leaving, if we're not living to build legacies, the yes. people that work for me, the True people that Jesus. work for me, the, the people that work for me here at Unlimited Digital, mm-hmm. I always tell them, we all are leaders here today. Don't I'm just here to make sure I guide the ship. Because when I get ready to leave, I want somebody to take this seat that I got and make it better than what I had. That's
1: it. That's so, it.
2: So, yeah. so my job is to make sure I pass torches back to young people.
1: Hallelujah. Yeah, that that's the main objective. You know, a, a lot of times we say, "Well, these kids and and these kids today, they're coming out of the womb walking and talking." Right, you know, yes, I yes. have a I have a, a, a three year old granddaughter, and she she gets on her tablet and she goes to work. I mean, on the keyboard, all of this, and I'm like, "Wow, these these children, you know, it, it's they're they're a different generation." They're they're very very smart. They're a lot smarter than what we were. So knowing that once we embed into them what our forefathers have embedded in us, I mean they're they're supposed to be better than what we are. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and yeah. any whichever road they choose, being that the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that they have, if they choose choose a negative road. You know, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot worse than what it was for us. But if they choose that positive road, and that's something that we have to embed in them. Don't go, don't go left, go right. Yes. And yes. once once they make that choice for themselves, because that's one thing that God gives us. He gives us free will. Right. But the word of God says to train up a child the way they should go, and they will not depart. Exactly. That they, they'll yes. revert back, and and you know, in in reverting back, that positive wow. that that we've already embedded in them, hopefully the majority of them will, will make the right decisions.
2: Right, right, right. Y'all you have know, always said love got legs. You know what I'm saying? Once come you on. plant love, <laughs> once you plant love and them legs go to spreading and them, <laughs> them legs go to setting themselves down, uh-huh. I say that young people will always fall back into you. One young man come in the door yesterday. He's, he come in, he said, He'd been gone almost a year and a half. He said, uh-huh. man, I couldn't pass this neighborhood without stepping through the door. Before I went home to my mm-hmm. mom and my grandmother, I had stepped in the door to let y'all see my face that I'm doing all right. Man, y'all really implanted some love that I could able to live on.
1: Amen. Amen. That's the key. That yes, is man, the key.
2: So, so we must get young people. We must wrap them up. We must stop and hug them. I know in this pandemic we can't actually do it. But I mean, right now, when things open up, we must let young people know that they are our future, that we believe in them. A hopeless person is a dangerous person. A hopeless person is a dangerous person. We got to quit embedding ho- uh, hopelessness in our children.
1: Exactly. We, we you know, and, and I always say, uh, Reginald, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So whatever yeah. you speak no matter what we see our children do and what we hear them say we're, we're supposed to speak just the if it's negative we're supposed to speak just the opposite into their lives not what we see but speaking the opposite because there's life and death in the power of your tongue and you yeah.
2: know what on that on that statement down, sister, on that statement down uh-huh. along, you know we even with this generation that we have here now uh-huh. you, know you know the power of the tongue can be dangerous but we have produced a generation of young people will react off your body language. Yes. Like your body language, tell them you don't want them around. So <laughs> exactly. Therefore, so, so, so therefore we got to change the whole mode in how we deal with this generation. We didn't produce.
1: Yes. You, you absolutely right about what you're saying, you know, and the thing about it is you have babies raising babies. Yes. So if if you got, uh, a, a 13, 14, 15 year old and they're pregnant, you know, that's a baby raising a baby. And if, no. if, if that their father and mother haven't embedded in them, how can they transfer it to that child? It's not going to happen. Right. right. You know, right. the positive, you know, if, if they've only received the no. negative, that's what they're going to transfer. Right. And I always yes. say, you know, I, I'll never forget I was, I was coming out of Fiesta and this young lady was coming in into Fiesta and she had a baby in the basket in the front of the basket and the baby was about two years old and the baby had, I don't know if the baby had done something that she didn't like. And she was, she was calling this baby names and I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. I said, why are you talking to, this is a baby, this is a two-year-old. Well, and I said, I don't really have to ask you that because I know that this is what was done to you. This is why you're doing this to this child. You're transferring to this child, what was transferred to you as a child. I said, but, but you what when you see this child getting older and you're going to, as time passed, you're going to get too old, to take care of yourself. And I hate to see you lying on your bed, not able to take care of yourself. And this is a child that have to take care of you. And you, you've already stated, you know, that she's, she's, I, I, I to, to tell you what the words that she was saying to this child. But I said, how are you going to feel at that time when you're laying on the bed and you can't take care of yourself? And this child is stating those names to you as you were stating them to her. That's something that, that I need you to think about. Right. And at that, that point, you know, a light came on in her head. Uh-huh. She said, yeah, I understand what you're saying now. So it, I, I'll say this to anybody. Those negative things that, that may have happened to you as a child, you know. Turn it around. I heard this guy say one day, my dad was never there for me to take care of me, so I'm going to take care of my son. I'm going to do for my son. I'm going to do everything for my son that my dad did not do for me. And right. I, hey, and I, I lift him up for that because he, he's making a change, a positive change uh, in his life, such as you are, Reginald.
2: Right, right. You know, on that, on that message, you know, I tell young people, you know, we have to reinforce the message. Change is
1: uh-huh. not easy. Amen.
2: You know, you're going to feel bad about change. You're going to feel uncomfortable about change. But mm-hmm. your change is a must. Everything don't stay the same. And you on. have to engage with people of a different like mind. of Yes. Yours so therefore, always surround yourself. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, and I, one of the things that I tell young people all the time is that those that refuse to think for themselves mm-hmm. become becomes the slave of the person that's thinking. Right. So therefore, if you went people that's not thinking and your self-esteem is not in a leadership position, Jesus. you will adapt to the thinking of those that's leading you in the wrong direction.
1: Yep, you, you're absolutely right. You're so absolutely
2: right. So therefore you have to surround yourself with people with like mind that think like you on a different level if you're looking to move forward. But again, we have placed our young people in dangerous areas to where they come out in survival modes
0: to where their whole life is about survival. Exactly. R- Excuse me, brother Reginald. Yes, sir. I'd like to ask you a question. Yes, In sir. your experiences, what have you found the effects of molestation to be on our males and our females? Because I'm running into a lot of that today. They didn't used to communicate it years ago. But there's a lot of molestation that's affecting our children as well. It's not the conversation of a day, but it's the impact of a the day. There's a lot of darkness that's going on within these homes today. Have you seen that?
2: You know, brother, I'm glad you brought that up because that's some of the subjects that I tell when I deal with young people all the time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's a that's a part of the, in the black community. That's a, that's the dog secrets that we don't talk about. Come on. You know, and, and when we got the, you know, one thing about us in our community secrets is what's destroying our <laughs> yes. communities. Because again, you know, we, we understand most young ladies that I deal with, they draw towards me because they see the strength that I have and not being, well we, you know, the, the men that they've been around that they say love them, that they molest them hmm, and took Jesus. advantage of them, and those are the secrets that our children are coming out with that we keep hid in the black community. Yes, they are. You know? Yep. And
0: you, they're you, gonna you. have to be dealt with one day because they've they they been go, all shut up back, today.
2: That that goes back to what I was telling the sister earlier. We have to if we going to be a people of wholeness again. We've got to get to the root cause of the pain that causes us yes. to exist. Yes. We're, we're, we're existing now. We're mm-hmm. not living because we're that's, hiding behind the pain that we're so point. afraid to speak about.
0: That's yes, That's the whole point, brother. That's the whole point.
2: So, so you're right. We got to get back in the community and make that make that kind of behavior a zero tolerance. If you got that kind of behavior, you can't be a part of the family. You got to go. We got to quit saying that. Oh, yeah, that's just that's just Uncle So and So. No, he no, no, that's that, right.
0: that, that kind of tolerance in the
2: community that destroys women. Because again, yes, the teacher, and the, the te- the teacher that taught me said that. When you destroy a woman, you destroy a nation because yes. she gives birth to the babies and she's the first teacher of our children. Amen. So when you destroy a woman, you destroy a nation. When you destroy a man, you destroy an individual. Come on. So man. we have to get back to understanding hands off our young ladies and our women in our community. Until we get back to that point, no one will respect us because we can't protect our most precious gift that God gave us.
1: Amen. And 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 it's happening to young men also, Reginald.
2: Yes, is happening to young men yeah. right now because, again, we have become so dysfunctioned in finding out what male masculinity is. Our boys are stuck. Our boys are suffering. You know, I was telling a brother this morning, it's sad that one of the words that I can't say today to where people questioned me on when I said that, how do you measure your ego against your mask, your male, your, your manhood? How do you measure your ego against your manhood? Hmm. When I say that, something like that, everybody challenged me like I'm – you know, leaving people out. When I say challenging your energy against manhood mm-hmm. and you, I'm not, you know, so, so we live in a world where, you know, the word manhood and, 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 and being masculine and being leaders of your family is something that's challenging us in our manhood. We got to get back to teaching boys what it yes. takes to become
1: a man. Getting back to basics. That's the main in objective. Them, yes. Teaching them what it's going to take to become a man. Right. And, and, <laughs> and got, if, and, and and only a man, a real man can do that. Yes,
2: right. You got to know what one look like. You got to know what one look like and, and, and act like before you know you <laughs>
1: can become one. Come on. And and we don't really, you know, and, and I, I challenge him. I'm just, you know, I just have to do what God has called me to do. That's the bottom line. I, I take it at heart, you know, so I chat when I go out into the community. In Sunnyside, I, I challenge them and I, and I question them, you know, uh, what, do you, what do you think about what's going on today? You know, um, how are you taking a stand? What are you doing to make a difference? You know, and, and a lot of them, they, they respond. And I and, and you know, you have to wake up the mind and let them see, you know, you know, either you, you need to you need to get out there on the battlefield. That's the that's what a man is supposed to do. So if if I don't see a man doing that and I'm a woman, That's a problem with me.
0: I'm not afraid to verbalize things like this. You say, what? People need talking points. What? It doesn't take a real man to beat a woman or a child into submission. Things like that. It doesn't take a man to beat a woman or a child into submission.
1: Hmm.
0: If you feel like you have to beat a woman for her to have sex with you, or to be the child but having to be your way, there's something wrong. And we need to get that consciousness out there because men, black men and all men, try to beat women into submission. We need to correct those points to progress.
2: Brother Thibodeau, I'm gonna say this here on that statement there. Hurt people hurt people. Yes. Until we deal with the the pain (laughs) of the people, Exactly. You're going to hear me one way or another. Regardless if I mm. have to commit a crime for yeah. you to hear me, brother not, if I got to kill myself for you to hear me, mm. hurt people going to hurt people. Yes. Until we get down to the nitty-gritty, quit playing with ourselves, quit Ooh, sweeping said. stuff under the rug. Again, we let out 600,000 men. We let 600,000 men out of prison every year. 90% of the 600,000 men we let out of prison every year is black and brown men. Amen. We have to... As, we have to, as black men, be the head people in those yes. cells. We forming yes. the brothers before they come back to our neighborhood.
1: Amen. You, you absolutely got, right. We got, have, we got to have things in place, and
2: they got to be able to stand up to the. To the levels of our rules and regulations and our policies of our family structure, but if we're not allowed to have hands on our brothers, that's coming out the institution, somebody else that's holding them, making money off of, turning them back to recycle our own troubles in our community. We ain't never gonna win the battle in the war that we in. We got to take control of our schools. We got to take control of these institutions yes, to yes. reeducate the people. I'm a living example that the work can be done if the resources is put back in the right place to change the mindset of black men specifically.
1: You are absolutely right, Reginald. We, we got like maybe two minutes left, but uh, we have to do another show. We we got to sit down. We we got to sit down because. We, we, we're supporting you. We, I, I look forward to working with you. That's that's the main objective. So uh, what I'd like to do is have you to give your your contact information over to individuals that are listening to you right now so that they can contact you because there are people that are out there. They're silent. They're afraid to talk. They, but they need someone to talk to.
2: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, I definitely appreciate you for giving me this time and opportunity. I'm saying I know I'm passionate what I speak and passionate with the work that I do. That's the only way I can do this work is to have my passion because I love what I do. It's not a job. It's my lifestyle. Amen. And I just wanted my the, my, my information. is you can get on Facebook, I'm on OG1 Operation Outreach. Or you can get me on Reginald Gordon on Facebook or you can email me. My email address is Gordon at R. Gordon OG1 at yahoo.com. Again, R. Gordon OG1 one, at yahoo.com.
0: One more time.
2: Aura Gordon OG1 at yahoo.com. Or uh, you can call me. I got an open number. You can call me. I run a youth facility over here to where we do anger management classes. We do light skill classes. We do conflict resolution classes over here with young people, drug offense classes over here at Unlimited Visions Aftercare. My number is 832. 832- Six, five, seven, twenty five, thirteen. I'm going to say that again. Eight, three, two, six, five, seven, twenty five, thirteen. That's how you can get hold of me at any time. I'm open. I'm I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, any school, any jail, any juvenile for you, We need to open the churches. We got to teach our children that when men stand up, our boys will sit back down.
1: Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I thank God for you, Reginald. I truly do. But I I just want to thank you. I I commend you. I lift you up for what you're doing. Keep pushing forward straight ahead. Don't be deterred. And I know you won't. But uh, I just I just pray to God that he uh, elevates you even more and he adds to you even more. Because, like I said, there are individuals that are out there. They want to come forward, but they're afraid. But uh, Reginald Gordon, I want to thank you, sir, for for, uh, allowing us this time with you, uh, this evening. And I just want to say, God bless you, Lord, uh, uh, brother, I love you. And I look forward to talking back with you soon. And I want to thank my audience, uh, for, uh, taking heed and listening to us on this evening. I, I just want to give God the glory and, uh, just say that I look forward to you all being with us on next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.